0: This word I have for you this morning is proclamation. It's the proclamation and I'm going to call it a prophecy because I feel that the Lord has given me an unction on this. This is uh, uh, kind of a, a second part to a sermon that uh, I had spoken in a number of weeks ago and um, I was shouted out or something like that I don't know but uh, God is still stirring this in me I think it's something coming and uh, I feel that I want to share it as a prophetic word with the congregation for the body of Christ and uh, I want us to be prepared to receive what God is giving us there is something coming a move coming to the church for bold proclamation of the gospel and that's necessary to herald his coming. So let's bow our heads. Father God, would you help us understand the depth of this word, what you want us to see and participate in as you are coming with great power and majesty into your church to prepare the way, Lord God, for the coming of Christ. And so, Jesus, we ready ourselves in waiting. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning of Mark's Gospel, it tells us that Jesus came into Galilee. The ministry of Jesus for three years, as the Gospel of Mark tells us, was in Galilee and in the regions of Galilee as he's preparing to go to Jerusalem to complete the task of the cross. But in those three years ministering in Galilee, Mark 1.15 says he's coming in to that region to begin his ministry, and it says, proclaim the gospel of God. Now, the the Greek word for proclaim is kerygma. Uh, The last message I shared with you on it, I mentioned the verb of that Greek noun, and it is karuso. So to proclaim is kerygma, the action of doing that is caruso, and it means to herald, to proclaim with loud shouts and declarations. And so Jesus came into Galilee, Mark's painting a picture of Jesus coming in and heralding and proclaiming something. This was his proclamation. The church needs a proclamation. There's a difference between proclaiming and teaching. And in the Gospel of Mark, you see these two things from Jesus. He, he commands his disciples, his twelve, to go into the cities and proclaim the kingdom. That's a proclamation. With proclamation comes power. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There's something about the proclamation of his word We've gotten so refined in our culture that we want to go into teaching. We go into the apologetics of it. We go to the explanation of it. We try to persuade people. That's good. That's all part of teaching. But what I'm discovering and what I believe God is is bringing forth right now into his church is getting back to proclamation. Proclamation is opening up the ears of those who are deaf opening up the eyes of those who are blind to hear the proclamation of who Christ is. We can get into teaching later. We can instruct them. We can get into apologetics. All of that is essential and necessary. But I feel the church has lost its charismatic, its proclaiming arm. We all kind of just quietly, one-to-one, go to each other. And I believe God is going to prepare His church for proclamation and declaration of who he is. So Jesus came into Galilee to proclaim the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings of God. So let's find out what that is. He says this, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I believe this is what God is going to restore to the church in these days and in this hour. You see, proclamation prepares for what God is bringing. And if we're all praying for revival, we're praying for a great move of God's Spirit and the Spirit of God to move powerfully, there needs to be a proclamation before it. Does this make sense to you? That even Elijah was to come and prepare the way for the Messiah. We know that was John the Baptist. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God. Repent and believe. And so I'm telling you that get ready for this. Begin to move in this. And begin proclaiming what God is going to do. Let's break this down to see how God is going to do this. The first clause is that. The time is fulfilled. This is it. Time's up. Does anybody have a sense of that? The time is fulfilled. And uh, reverse that word fulfilled, meaning filled full. Right? The time is filled full. And so what Jesus is declaring, as uh, Peter declared on the day of Pentecost, he said, this is that which the prophets spoke of. All the prophecies that were speaking of Messiah from Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, all the way through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, in through all the Old Testament books and all the prophecies from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob and to David and to the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, everything that they had prophesied as Jesus walked into Galilee on that day, he said... Everything is now full in time for me to arrive. This was destined. This is the fullness of time. Paul uses that in Galatians 4.4 and he says this, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the fullness of time had come. Do you know what the fullness of time is? That's when you set your alarm to get up at 6.30. And when the alarm goes off, time to go. Time has come. The fullness has come. Everything that God had planned before the beginning of the world and through the entire Old Testament, at that moment, the time had come. Let me ask you this. Is Jesus coming again? Are we any closer to Jesus coming again than they were 2,000 years ago? I would say yes. Do the math. Well, if Christ is coming and he may be coming soon, the time is getting ripe. It's getting full. A pregnant woman knows when the time has come. And you can't stop it, right? 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 When an airplane is supposed to land, it's flying over the seas, flying over the land, and comes to the airport. And when it is now descending on the airstrip and it lands, the time is fulfilled. It arrived. It's here. That's what Jesus is saying. The time is fulfilled. It's full and filled with all expectancy and now has arrived. I believe that you're living in a fulfilled time. The time has come. I believe that everything we do now is preparation for the coming of Christ. The time is full. That's what Jesus is saying. Wake up. It's time. It's time to act. And so we're going to have a sense of the timing of God. I want you to know, consider this, think about this, that as Jesus said The time is fulfilled that He is the expectation of all prophecy now walking into Galilee. That time piece was all set by God so that when he was baptized and went into the wilderness, it was timed by God to do that. When he came out of the wilderness, it was timed by God to do that. When he walked into the synagogue to heal the man that had a, a leprosy or a lame arm or whatever, it was timed by God. When it was time for him to go choose his twelve, it was timed by God. Could we live a life that we could believe expectantly was timed by God? Most of us live like pinballs. We just bounce off any situation and move. Oh my, COVID, what are we going to do now? I've got nothing to do. I've got to sit at home. But what if we understood that time was full of the presence of God? That could all of this be adjusting and shifting and moving? Could it be that governments are rising and falling and calamity is happening? Could it be that there's a shifting in the earth? Could it be shifting politically? Could it be shifting economically? And could God be above all of it? And could the church walk through it all in the fullness of God's timing? Where we walk in the next step, it looks like there's nothing there, but your confidence in God puts your foot down, and before you know it, something came right into that position at the fullness of time. That's what I'm saying, church. We're in the fullness of God. God doesn't put us on a rack and say, you know, uh, before Jesus gets back, where did I put that church? I think it was on shelf number five. We're in the middle of this thing. We are the body of Christ. And so everything that's being fulfilled in the earth has to pass through the church. Wake up, people. The alarm's going off. And that's what Jesus said. I'm here. The time is fulfilled. And I have to believe, as a a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, that the timing of God is full and ripe for what is now. What is now. That's a good question to answer. What is now? What's our positioning? And our position is to proclaim. Secondly, he said this, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does kingdom mean? It means the king's domain. The king's domain or his dominion. The king's dominion is at hand. Who's the king? Jesus. Jesus showed up. The king is here. His dominion has come. He's in Christ Jesus. So the kingdom is at hand. And we have to believe that the kingdom is at hand. What it means at hand means to draw together, to bring two things together. One thing has arrived into another. It is at hand now. Here it is. The plane landed, it's on the runway, and he has shown up. Jesus, the kingdom, his dominion of God is here. A better way to say it, because kingdom is kind of hard, is the realm of God. His authority, his reign, the realm. Because in the Gospels, the kingdom of God is always referenced as something you enter into. It is the realm of God. And the realm of God, the kingdom of God, has entered into you. We're waiting for the kingdom. Sometimes I think the church is as guilty as Israel is in their expectations of the Messiah. They wanted a Messiah that was going to deliver them from the Roman army they wanted a political messiah that would set up the kingdom of god on earth and have castles and buildings and and you know flags for for the kingdom of god and we're israel and we're going to rule the world but what jesus did he said the time is up the time is fulfilled he said now the 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 rain and the uh, The realm of God is in your midst. It's right here. And on the day of Pentecost, it then entered into us. The realm of God is here. It's in us. Somebody proclaim that. If you believe God or Christ is in you, it is the expectation of his presence. The hope, hope is an expectation, right? Right? Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. What's glory? Shiny stuff. What is glory? Glory is that feeling I get. It's that shiny glory. It's the light going. No, glory is the presence of God. It's the weight. It's the Chabad. It's the presence of his nature. It's his realm. Well, if Jesus is in us, there's an expectation of his nature within us therefore his realm is at hand you're the realm of god christ will return but we've got to proclaim it's now it's here the realm of god is available to you the world needs to hear this it's not about a religion come to my church It's not about believe these tenets of faith, believe this doctrine. It is about the nature and presence of Jesus himself. We have to have Jesus show up. How's he going to show up? In you. You are the realm of the kingdom of God. How much of a rule and authority does he have over you? Thirdly, he says this, repent. This is the proclamation. The time's up. The jig is up. The time's up. The, uh, we're here now. The realm of God is here now. His presence is here. Therefore, repent. But you see, we've, we've made repentance um, basically find out what your sin is and say you're sorry. Sorry. It goes beyond that repent as a word means to change your thinking change your thinking we've made repentance all about sin but in fact repent is the entire box frame of reference you live in has got to be altered and changed if we keep focusing, of, of course people have to confess their sin and come to Jesus for sin. You can't come to Jesus unless you go to the cross, and the cross is where he died for your sins. But before we get there, we've got to help people understand you need to change the way you're thinking. You're so carnally minded, you're thinking by what you see and hear. The church needs to repent. And when we say that, we say, oh, there needs to become great repentance to the church. And and what the church needs to do in repentance, the church needs to fall on its face and confess all of its sins. Well, that's true. But we can confess all of our sins and never change our mindset. Do you see what I'm getting at? Please don't walk out of here saying, Pastor Tim says we don't have to repent of sin. I'm not saying that at all. But that is not the complete aspect of what repentance is. We could have the Spirit of God come on us and have godly sorrow and all of us confess the deeds of darkness in our thoughts and confess our sins and turn our mind away from that sin. But if we have not repented from how our frame of reference is to the world, we're not walking with Christ. Too many Christians are worldly focused. We're carnally considering everything. We, we would even imagine that, oh my gosh, if the guy doesn't get in office, what's the kingdom of God going to do? Really? Repent. Change your thinking. What if America goes down? What is God going to do if there's no longer a United States of America? Oh my gosh. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of God is here, it's now. Whether you live in Italy, whether you live in India, whether you live in Spain, our nationalism has come into the gospel. Repent. Somebody hear this on Facebook. Because we're looking at the wrong frame of reference. I'm not telling you not to pray for the country. I'm not telling you not to care for the United States. But I'm telling you to get your head into the kingdom. Change the way you think. The mindset. COVID came and our churches are empty and people are deserting. Repent. But we've made repentance. I'm sorry I said that thing. I'm sorry I looked at the thing. It's bigger than this. We've got to restructure our thinking, restructure the way we speak and the way we live. There's a new way, a new order of life, a new revelation. I get my information, not from Fox or CNN, but from heaven. Amen. I'm getting the revelation from God. That's why they said in the book of Acts chapter 3, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. What are we repenting? Turn from Judaism to Christ. That is mind-altering. They're preaching to a bunch of Jews and they're saying, your sacrifices no longer are going to do the thing. Christ did it. Do you know how hard that would be to translate, to shift? And what about us? Your job, your money, your marriage, your relationships, that's not going to get you to heaven. But if you would change where your source and resources come from, it can impact where you live in your marriage and your household and your neighborhood. Does this make sense to you? There is coming, I believe, to the church a repentance that is going to shift the mindset of the church from its carnal reasoning to a heavenly reasoning. It's going to be so different because basically the other way we've become completely irrelevant. I'm, I'll go on. Last of all, he then gets us to the place of faith and believe in the gospel. Faith, confidence, to trust in the gospel, the good news. What is the good news? Jesus is Lord. He died for us, and he rules and reigns. We again have kept Jesus on the cross. As a church, we mostly talk about him at the cross. He died for us, for our sins, and that's about it. Do we realize he rules and reigns at the throne of God right now? He is our high priest. He is the king of this kingdom. He has cleansed you so that his dominion and his presence, his realm now abides in you. There should be a radical shift in what we're doing. We walk around scared. We walk around intimidated. The proclamation of the gospel is coming like a freight train. It is coming with power and it is coming with force. It is moving. Jesus said, It is here. The kingdom is present, it's in you. Change the way you think and start believing in the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. We, we, we believe he died for our sins and we put that in our back pocket and then we go about our lives the way we can construct him. And that is not what Jesus proclaimed. That is not the proclamation of the gospel. The proclamation of the gospel is, time's up, Jesus is here, change the way you understand things so that you will now believe what this gospel means. That's what is coming to the church it's going to be radical we're looking for a new band we're looking for a new rock star preacher we're looking for the next church that'll elevate up and uh, oops pardon the pun we're looking for a church that's going to rise to the new platform we're looking for the new singing sensation we're looking it's all wrong It's not going to be some guy that got a degree from this or another guy that went to heaven for four hours and came back and tells us that story. You don't need any of that. You've got this. Now, this without the living spirit isn't going to do much. But you put this in you. This is the Mentos. This is the Coke. Put this in you and you should proclaim. There's an illustration for you. I won't say that's from the Holy Spirit, (laughs) but it's a good one. Put the word in an active spirit of God in you and proclamation of the gospel needs to come out. This is what we need to do. This is the new pace of the church. This is the new image of the church. The programs and everything else, those are fine, that's nice. But the proclamation of the gospel is coming. It will be heralded from one end of the world to the next. It was always meant to be that way. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, he says this, that through the foolishness of what we preach, the word preach there is proclaim, kerygma. What is the foolishness? The world doesn't understand it. The Greeks are looking for power. The Jews are looking for Signs. Or maybe that's reversed. But the point is, it's the proclamation. It's the proclamation. Do you know that the gospel is exploding in the Southern Hemisphere? The gospel, the proclamation of who Jesus is. They don't have the cash that we do. They don't have all the seminary trained uh, people that the United States has. But guess where the fire of God is burning? It's burning in South America. It's burning in Africa. It's burning in the entire Southern Hemisphere. It has shifted globally. And people are proclaiming the gospel. It's moving into the east, into China and Indonesia and so forth. It is just radically burning up the planet. More people are getting saved through Pentecostal churches in the Southern Hemisphere than anywhere else in the world. And our light is a smoldering flax because we've stopped proclaiming the gospel. This proclamation is not just verbally, this proclamation is what we do as we live. Do you proclaim the good news in your life by how you walk and live and move and act? Do you proclaim? I close with this last scripture. Romans 10, 14. How then... Will they call on him in whom they have not believed? There is a world out there of people who have never heard of Jesus, especially this younger generation. We used to know that most people had an average intelligence of the Bible and Bible stories. We have complete atheism in our younger generation. They have no idea who Moses, Noah, Jesus is at all. They have no idea what people do inside a church. And so how are they going to know? How are they going to call on him whom they have no belief in? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone Proclaiming. That word preaching is the word proclaim, proclamation. This is important that you understand whenever you see the word preaching in the New Testament, it's not some guy standing behind a pulpit. That is typically teaching, didactic. But any time you hear Paul or Peter or James or in the Gospels you hear the word preaching, it is proclamation, it is heralding. And you don't need a degree for any of that. And so, how? How are they to hear without somebody proclaiming it? And how are they to proclaim it unless they're sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news. Now, that is based on the analogy and the story of when you were in your city and your people went out to war at summertime, that's when you fought your wars, Uh, and you needed to know, are we winning the battle? Are we losing the battle? You would look for the messenger that was running on the mountains coming back to the city. And many times as they would watch and look at the runner, they could tell how the battle was going. Because if he was running like this, doesn't look good. But if he's running like this, he's got the Tom Cruise run. He's going. This looks good. Could you imagine when the herald came in? I don't know if that was his name, but anyways. Could you imagine if the herald came into the city and he goes, behold, I've got good news. Right? You'd go, oh, this is good. Good. Every ear pays attention. But if he came in a dragon, well, it doesn't look so good. How are you running? How are we running, church? How is our witness? How is our proclamation? Are we bearers of good news? No, it's over. Oh, no. What are we going to do now? a wreck. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you, church. That's great. They're not fair to us. They're taking away this. They're doing this. We don't know. This is terrible. Your job is to proclaim the good news. Amen? Amen? You herald the good news. And again, it doesn't mean you have to shout it. The people in China, they herald the good news, but they have to whisper it in secret. But the proclamation of the gospel in China is huge compared to the proclamation here. We've got so many devices for us to herald the good news on. We've got so many avenues and realms to herald the good news, but we're spending most of our time on Facebook complaining Throw it away, not Facebook, your attitude. Repent. Change your mind. See, we think we can keep doing it because it's not sin. Repent. Change the vision you have. Change the way you're thinking about the kingdom of God. It's here. It's now. It's ready to go. It's good news. Somebody proclaim it. Amen? Amen. That is what is coming to the church. Hop on board because this is going to be an awesome ride. And when the proclamation of the gospel goes out, don't expect everybody to cheer, but do expect souls to be saved. Let's bow our heads.